Welcome back from the brink. It is Tuesday, the 4th of May, 2021. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. And we're both here at the start. I guess it's because I started a little late today. I got distracted. but uh, uh, And I know you were kind of probably rushing out because we're going to uh, cut our podcast a little short today because you got a, an early meeting. So uh, for those listening, we're not going to go quite as long as we normally go. But uh, what I was reading in between I thought was pretty interesting. I was um, uh, actually decided, uh, of all things, I'm looking for some gummies, uh, vit- good gummy vitamins for uh, for my wife because she, she doesn't take supplements, but she doesn't eat any better than I do, and I take supplements. And so I thought, you know what, let me see if I can get some gummies. Maybe she'll take her gummies if I get, a, if I get vitamins as gummies. So, And I like a couple different brands that I use, so I was searching through their stuff to see if they had anything. And I came across one of the products that one of the brands sells, and they, their product is called Brain Attention. And I went, huh? So I went and looked to see what it was. And it essentially, if you look at it, is a gummy that's a bunch of like xylitol and sugar and gel. And I'm like, what the heck is in this? You know? And then the one line, it has silk protein hydrostate complex, 200 milligrams. And I'm like, silk protein? What, what, what is silk? You know, what is that? Why would anybody want silk protein? So I did a quick search and said, what is silk protein? Turns out the ver- one of the first things that popped up was a study uh, posted on the National Institute of Health. And it says uh, average uh, healthy adults, average age approximately 55, were administered doses of 0, 280, 600 milligrams of, of silk protein divided into two doses for three weeks. And they were given uh, uh, memory and verbal learning tests. And they said that it significantly improved measurements of memory in healthy adults by three weeks at doses over 200 280 milligrams a day with a apparent plateau effect between 400 and 600 milligrams a day. So I'm going to get me some of that. Yeah, significantly improved measurements in memory of healthy adults. So, yeah, um, uh, you know... Uh, if you if you feel like you're having difficulty with recall or something, this you know this wow, it's like wow, and and usually when you find any kind of study that has to do with uh, any kind of supplement, I mean even if it's you know vitamins, the they almost always have all these caveats in there about well you know it's sort of because and we don't promise anything and and here it just says flat out you know from the National Institutes of Health significantly improved measurements of memory in healthy adults in three weeks. And so, you know, I mean, a bottle of this stuff costs 22 bucks. And uh, let's see, you get 60 tablets and you get 200 milligrams per tablet. So they're saying you probably want, uh, uh, you know, two, two tablets a day. So, you know, one in the morning, one at night. And, uh, huh, yeah, I'm absolutely cool. uh, uh, intrigued. Now, of course, has nothing to do with the vitamins that I was looking for in the first place, but, but incredibly intrigued. Yeah. You know, you know what doesn't help memory? Taking Benadryl before you go to bed at night. <laughs> and so, so. But you can breathe. Last, so there is the side benefit yes. of actually being able to breathe. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, and, and we've talked about allergies. And two nights ago, I took two Advil PM before bed. And mm-hmm. I should have just taken one. And really, I wasn't. You know, I, it wasn't about the Advil. It was about the diphenhydramine, which is the sleep agent that they use, which is Benadryl. Yeah. And so um, because I've been I've been 
you know, my boss made a comment that I sound like Darth Vader. Okay, fine, I do. Um, and so I thought, well, let me take this stuff and see what happens. So yeah. I took two. I should have taken one. I felt like I had now you feel in like my head all now you sound yesterday. like Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, I couldn't remember oh. some things from like one second to the next. Yeah. I was just. Uh, yeah, and you're like, huh? That that huh. didn't work. Yeah. It's either oatmeal or cotton balls in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's like the it's it's the. You know, we, we, Benadryl's been around for so long, people tend to think of it as fairly benign, and yet it really does affect you pretty profoundly if you pay attention. It's, it's, uh, it'll knock you out. And, uh, so it helps you sleep, helps you breathe, but yeah, it, yes. uh, it, it, and, you know, of course, different people are, um, react to it, you know, with different levels of, of, strength of that reaction right so some people have have a very mild reaction to certain medications and other people have a much stronger one but yeah i mean uh for me and in fact a lot of people if you go like find um, nyquil or something like that uh well is that not not the one this uh what the um what are the things you take for like helping you sleep um uh it's like a lot of those are benadryl as well yeah yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. There, 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 there are two sleep agents that are used. I don't know what the other one is because I don't. I don't. For me, I just wanted the diphenhydramine, which is Benadryl. Right. And um, right. that was used in that's used in Tylenol PM and Advil PM and some of the yeah. others. A lot of things that have uh, the word PM in their name have have Benadryl in it because it's also used as a sleep agent because not only is it an antihistamine but it makes you pretty drowsy. Which is it does. Which, which is the whole reason that they came out with things like Claritin and and Allegra and Zyrtec because those are supposed to be second generation um, uh, antihistamines that clear your 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 breathing airways but don't make you drowsy um, or make you much less drowsy. And uh, the the downside is is they also tend to not work as well. So yes, six the Benadryl works, but they knock me out. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's ever said Benadryl doesn't uh, work great as an antihistamine. It does. It just, it just has this one interesting side effect of you are going to sleep now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I wasn't terribly productive yesterday because it was like my whole thought process was just slow. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading things. And you know when you, when you read something over and over and over again and it doesn't compute? You're like, what did I just read? I don't know. I'll read it again. Yeah. And it still didn't compute. That's yeah. what I felt like. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I've now read this sentence four times. I still have no idea what it says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's, time oh my I, maybe it's time I stop reading now. <laughs> yeah. And caffeine yeah. didn't help. So it was just, I had a Benadryl yeah, hangover. Yeah. Now you're just jittery and sleepy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And that's a really good, happy feeling. Yeah. Not yeah, like you're laying there tired and sleepy and your, you know, arms and legs are twitching. <laughs> you're like, Great. That's what I wanted. Let's do this some I'm more. I'm like, goodness. Yeesh. So, you know, did you hear about that? Sub- we, we heard it on the news, that subway overpass collapse in Mexico City. Um, no, I didn't. I hadn't heard about it. Yeah. And, and of course, I'm driving, so I can't pull up the details, but. What, what, what we know is that, you know, the subway, sometimes you, they, for whatever reason, they come out from underground and they're above ground for a little bit. So one of right. those um, 
trellises or for lack of a better word collapsed and yeah, you know think of like died. the l that you see in in movies in chicago right the elevated train because yes. they'll, they'll come out they'll be elevated for a while and then they'll maybe dive back down into the and uh yes. yeah so i clicked on a link and it's very slow loading here let's see if we can get it yeah so it well they, they have it really yeah oh my gosh uh and that's what they found uh, oh. thus far originally they said 13 now they're now it's up to 23 uh, and I see another video that says 20. So it's like, yeah, the, it's, it's an ongoing thing as they're, as they're uh, trying to rescue people and pull bodies out of this train. Uh, there was a train overpass collapsed onto a busy road at a Monday night, so evening time. Um, so, yeah. And Mexico City is a huge city. And unfortunately, yes. they don't have the same building codes that we have for New York City and, and you know in a lot of the cities here in the United States. Not that things can't happen here too, but um, but when there's you know structural collapse, sometimes it's more catastrophe, more catastrophic, just because the um, some of the the uh, physical requirements of the buildings are um, not as strict and or not enforced. So. Yeah. That's so scary. Yeah, they show an image here of a crane lifting up a train so that rescue workers could get down underneath the train where people were pinned. Um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Looks, it looks absolutely horrific, horrific, and I can't imagine what those people are going through trying to, to you know, rescue and save those who they can. Clean people out of the wreckage. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's bad news. So last night I was flipping through news and, uh, uh, well, first of all, Lakers won. So good mood for Todd today. Um, and they also beat the team that was in fifth place uh, in front of them in the standings. And so now they're in fifth place and Dallas is in, uh, is that right? No, no, Dallas is, is they, they, they played, they were playing Denver, who was uh, um, further up. Anyway. They now moved up into fifth place instead of sixth place, which is a good thing because otherwise they end up in the playoffs or play-in uh, thing. This year, they, what they're doing is this play-in thing where they take eight teams into the playoffs, and so the top six teams are guaranteed a spot, and then teams seven, eight, nine, and ten will have to do a play-in. And what they do is uh, seven and eight play each other, and the winner gets what, the seventh place spot. And then the loser will play the winner of who, of a game between ninth and tenth place, and that and then the winner of that game gets the eighth place spot. So, so theoretically, a tenth place team could get into the playoffs by winning two games, playing into the playoffs is what they're calling it. It's a play in uh, finals, and so you know, but it's a one game deal, and any any team can beat any team in one game. You know, usually over a series of five games or seven games, the best team wins. But, uh, you know, if it's a one-game deal, you know, any guy can have a, you know, an average player can have a miraculous night, and suddenly your team wins, even though you, you know, are clearly the weaker team. So um, it's a dangerous place to be, so you don't want to fall into the play-in if you can avoid it. And so I was happy to see the Lakers move from sixth up to, to fifth. Hopefully they'll, they're, they're a game ahead of uh, uh, the seventh-place Portland Trailblazers who have to be in the play-in. So, but yeah, anyway, I was flipping through the news last night, other than, uh, other than Lakers thoughts and the headline uh, splattered, splattered across yesterday evening is that, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates are getting a divorce. 
Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I, it's uh, and I I think that the philanthropic world is probably you know a little nervous, wondering how that's going to play out for them because the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is mm-hmm. a catalytic donor. Yeah, you know they they have money that really yeah um, brings financially a, brings the largest change. charity in the world. Yeah, yeah, they you know billions of dollars to to give away, and they do a lot of research and making sure that they spend that money in ways that will have real effects. They and, do, uh, and so yeah, they're they're uh, very well regarded. In fact, that's why other very rich people like um, uh, Warren Buffett have put a lot of money into their foundation and pledged more. Um, they, in a joint statement, said that they have decided that they can no longer grow together as a couple. Apparently, she's the one who filed, um, but that they had tried to work on their marriage and it didn't. You know, they just don't see a way forward at this point. Um, but they have both committed to continuing their work at the foundation. Both will maintain their positions as uh, um, chair on the on the board and 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 the functions that they have within the foundation. So they're going to continue to work. In the, I don't know how much they work together within the foundation. They both each have, have taken on sort of different roles uh, within the foundation, but they're going to continue to do that. So um, it seems like it's amicable. Um, and apparently there was no prenuptial agreement, although they have come up with an agreement um, as to how they're going to divvy up their, their, uh, their finances. I mean, let's face it, neither one of them are going to be hurting after this, even if o- one of them only got a billion. I think they said that you know the, the, the couple's wealth is... 124 billion dollars or something like that is what it's been which is insane yeah so it's it's like as 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 gates bill gates has said previously he said you know after after a billion he says it's like it's it's it doesn't significantly change the way your life you know one billion hundred billion he says it doesn't really change you know how my day-to-day is spent so you know it's, it's kind of irrelevant at that point and so, you know, that's part of why he decided to, when he retired, to start focusing on on charity and giving away. Because they're they're uh, one of the couples that has kind of led the way about saying, "Hey, we don't want to leave billions of dollars for our children. It's not going to do anything but hurt them. Um, so we want to give most of it away." You know, I mean, they'll all you know get through college and stuff fine. And you know, I'm sure their children aren't going to be hungry in you know ten years. But um, but uh, you know, their children are all adults now, so. I think they've got three. Yeah, Boy, well, and I, and I doubt they'll be hurting, you know, at any yeah. point in their life. Yeah, I think their oldest is like 21 or 23 or something like that. And the youngest just, I think, is 18 or 19, something like that. So, um, you know, they're young adults, but they, you know, mom and dad are still there. You know, it's not like it's something that other, you know, other families haven't gone through, um, you know. But it's sad anytime you see a family break up or a, or a you know, a marriage or a relationship come apart um and you just hope that they can remain civil with each other yep yep so So the european union on monday announced a roadmap to allowing vaccinated people from outside the union to travel to europe so um they the proposal which could be in place by the end of june will give hope to travelers from the u.s and other countries with aggressive coronavirus vaccination programs Mm. Um, uh, who are eager to, to 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 get back to life? So it looks like you will have to prov- prove that you are vaccinated, and uh, um, and then you can travel. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Now, does that mean that even though the U.S. has said very much that they're not going to have a vaccine passport, that Europe is going to say, "But we want you to prove you had the vaccine." 
Yeah, but but it's different. The, the vaccine passport is, uh, is is a very specific thing. It's not just the vaccination card or bringing a medical record, which you have to do now. If you're going to travel, you have to prove that you've, you know, have that you've had a, a negative certain, COVID test and right. all of those. Well, and, and and it's not unusual that you have to get specific vaccines to travel to certain countries in the world. No, no. no I mean, if you're going to a Africa, you're getting thing. malaria and yellow fever and, you know, some of these others. Right. Yeah. And and trust me, you want them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yeah. so I, I just think that's fabulous. And that's it. That's um, that's uh, that's good news. Now, I hope Canada opens before June because, you know, we're taking a trip up to, you know, northern Washington and uh, mm-hmm. be nice to see want, Canada. Yeah. We want to go up to Canada. Say hi to the Canadians. That's right. Yeah, right now the border is still shut down. Um, I was uh, actually listening to a podcast, and one of the gentlemen on the show is from Canada and broadcasting from Canada. And they were talking about something, and he was, yeah, I can't travel there. <laughs> he was like, I can't come to the United States right now. So, um, yeah. I wonder how that works with, like, uh, trade. I mean, they won't let people travel, but are they allowing, like, you know, trucks and ships to come and go in order to leave goods and pick up goods? I assume they must be. They must be. And is there a facility on either side of the border where you can transfer your goods, right? So, right. or, you know, do you have to have Canadian trucker pick up, you know, yeah. start driving yeah. the load? Drive to the border and butt your truck up to the line and have them back theirs up and you shove everything from yes. one truck into the next. Are you going. just, yeah, I don't know how that works. Are you just trade trucks? I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah. It's like people aren't allowed, but yeah, here's my truck. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have no idea. I, I assume that they are allowing trade to continue back and forth as, as, um, you know, there's dependencies on both sides of the border for that. And so I, I, despite the, the travel ban, I think the travel ban is more for uh, uh, leisure travel. Although, you know, if you're moving goods, you know, what if you have a, a you work for an American company and you're you're based in Canada or vice versa? You know, how does that work? I don't know, because I, I know either. that there are people who do that. Yeah, I don't know. Does that mean you're basically calling into work right now, and if you can't call in, then you're just not working? I don't know. I don't know. So I think that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated and want to travel. So, you know, I, I, I want to get out there, and I know other people do, too. And I don't know how I could be, you know, any less or rather any more protected from COVID than I am right now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, yeah, I want to go. I want to go to Canada. Mm-hmm. I've, ne- I've not been to British Columbia before. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Canada in like touristy places across Niagara. That's where I've been to Canada. Um, so, yes, I would like to see more of Canada, although I yes. probably should pronounce it properly while I'm there. Otherwise, they might not appreciate my <laughs> presence. I'd like to see Nova Scotia mm-hmm. and I'd like to see Newfoundland, of course. You know, that's another trip. That's a different trip because it's 3,000 miles away yeah, from yes, Columbia. On the other side of the continent. Yes. But yeah. But I, yeah. I, I, I very much would like to see both of those places. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my experience has been as you get up to northern California, from there, everywhere north that I have visited has been beautiful and I love it. You know? And so, I, you know, I have visions of Canada being even more so. Uh, yeah. And more of the same. And I would love to see that. Um that said, probably spring and summer, not so much winter, because 
going that far north, uh, it gets icy and cold and white. And I'm sure it's beautiful, uh, but I'd less enjoy traveling in that. You know, I mean, I love yes. being there, but getting there is the issue. So, CIF Southern Section has cut a deal with Mikasa, five-year partnership for volleyballs. So that means that CIF uh, competitions should be using Mikasa balls. Um, I know I, the reason I, I checked it is because they've had an ongoing deal in the past with um, Cap 7 for water polo balls. And so I was curious as to whether or not they would have, uh, if this was all balls, but apparently it's just the volleyball section. So, um uh, you know, there's those people out there, you know, there's Voigt and, and Wilson and, you know, I mean, Wilson, right? Wilson's got his, the, the face on the volleyball. Well, you can't use a Wilson ball for CIF. You got to use Mikasa. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. They cut deals like that. And so that just means at CIF competitions and, and they strong, I think they're strongly recommended for like dual meets between schools. Um, because very often, um, You'll have a you know a a new ball or a new couple balls for each each game during the season, and then you know the following season those new balls are the practice balls from you know the the, the game balls are the practice balls the following season. So you hang on to them, um, but you know they get worn down, the surfaces get uh, scuffed up and things like that, and so you don't you know you don't want to use um, kind of beat up equipment in competitions. So, but it's fine to practice with. Um, but uh, yeah, five-year deal with Mikasa. Cool. So I wonder how much Mikasa paid them for that. I know. Well, you know that's a sponsorship. That's you yeah. know. Yeah, that's the way that works. That's the way that works. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, apparently, melting ice in the Italian Alps uh, has revealed uh, World War World War One relics hmm. so um this is on mount score scored it's a 3095 yes uh peak overlooking the uh the stelvio pass um for the next three and a half years the cramped humid space in this this wooden barracks that the soldiers dug um the the cramped humid spare uh, humid space was home to about 20 men uh, from the Austro-Hungarian army as they fought against Italian troops in what became known as the White War, a battle waged across the treacherous, bitterly cold Alpine terrain during the First World War. So, you know, we all, when I think of the First World War, I think of Belgium and mm-hmm. Flanders fields and all of that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you think you know, of trenches, other... right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, not, but there not were other... mountainous. Exactly. But there were other fronts, and yeah. that was one of them. Yes, so... Monte Scorluso. I, I did a quick search on it, and the, and the first thing that pops up is uh, Monte Scarloso climbing, hiking, and mountaineering. You can check yeah. the weather conditions right now. And apparently so, it's melty. <laughs> so the, the presence of the barracks on Scarluso's summit was known for some time, but it was only in 2015 when the ice had sealed it off for almost uh, – the ice that had sealed it off for almost 100 years melted completely – and the researchers were able to enter it, and um, it has it had been hastily hastily locked up when the war ended in November of 1918, um, with the soldiers abandoning most of their belongings. So they're still inside. 
So this is kind of cool. They found oh, it's a, tre- like a little treasure time trail. vault of uh, hundred right? year old stuff, right? And it's been so they, frozen, so it's all pretty well preserved. I, I would it, assume. I, I I assume too. So there yeah. were beds made of straw, clothes, lanterns, newspapers, postcards, coins, tinned <laughs> food, and animal bones uh, empty of behind. Yeah. Somebody who wants to get here. home. I'm going home. Let's leave the money. <laughs> no, Oops. I mean, it may have just been like, you know, like if we drop a bunch of pennies and we're running home, we're not right. going to worry about it too much. Exactly. Hey, war's over. Let's go home. Let's go. But wait, here's my penny. See our so, family. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> that's so that's the, what it was. The, the cave has now been excavated and the refuge and all its artifacts will go on display at a museum due to open in uh, uh, Bormio, which is a town in Lombard, wherever that is, in Italy somewhere, mm-hmm. in 2022. So, so I know cool. we got we to wrap it up because uh, you got to get going, but I threw I in do. real quick at the end of the radio station, I threw in a trivia question. What year did China first participate in the Summer Olympics? It was surprising. 1984. That- Oh, seriously? I would have said like 1970-something. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah, 1984 was the first time they were in the Summer Olympics. Well, so, detente didn't happen until the 70s. And so, yeah. you know, it just took them a while to, to Yeah, be... and they were very close society up till that point in time. So, yep. um, 84 was the uh, first Olympics. That was a Los Angeles, 84. Yes. Yeah, that was the Olympics that a lot of the Eastern Bloc country, countries did not come because we had... Um, boycotted the 1980 Olympics in Moscow, and so they in turn boycotted the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. So, um, uh, but yeah, that was 1984. So we are at the end of our show for today. It's a short one today. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being here. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button. It helps us. It helps you. You won't miss a show. And we'll be back tomorrow. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Erin Brinker. Have a great day, everyone.